I once heard of a priest who asked his dad what he wanted for Father's Day. And his dad said, a short homily. Um, I'll, try, I'll try my best. Um, but I want to talk about, in relationship to fathers and families, this gospel we just heard as kind of evangelizing the family, but also the throwaway culture um, that Pope Francis talks about. And for Francis, he talks about this in one of his encyclicals, and it's not just in regards to like physical materials, like we just throw away all kind of stuff that we don't want, but that we also throw away relationships. That once a person has betrayed us, or we've just simply grown tired of them, we kind of just throw them away. We dispose of them, and we move on. And this happens very often in families, that we treat our family members as kind of consumer items and then we think, well, there's just other friends out there that can satisfy my needs. And what ends up happening is that we end up getting pushed further and further to peripheries and further and further into isolation, which is why today we have um, the obsession with social media and being present more to our phones, those who are more most physically distant, rather than those who are most proximately uh, close even within things like family dinners, restaurant events, whatever um, it might be. But I bring that up because in a gospel where it seems like God is showing favoritism by saying to the apostles, don't work exclusion, don't go to the pagan territories, go to the lost house of Israel. That what he's doing is that he's not throwing his people away. He's not throwing his people away. So I want to bring up uh, three points about how to how God does not throw us away so that we don't throw each other away in a hope for an upgrade. So first, God doubles down, how does God restore? He doubles down on transparency by revealing himself in Jesus' humanity. He doubles down on transparency by revealing himself in Jesus' humanity. I have a priest friend who was at a wedding reception and a lapsed Catholic who was at the wedding had approached him uh, after a few drinks, and he said, Father, <clears throat> I see what you do at that altar. You pour a lot of wine and just a little bit of water. A lot of wine and just a little bit of water. And so what is that about? Right? Like, at, there's that very small moment, and now what we do at Our Lady Wisdom is whenever we bring up the gifts, that we bring up the water and the wine. What is going on there? What is the, the symbolism? One of the um, quirks that I found out about myself this summer, now that the students are gone, and I have a lot more time by myself, is that uh, in this building, few things give me more pleasure than catching fruit flies. And um, what I found out was that if you pour apple cider vinegar in a cup, it attracts all of these fruit flies. But they will hover over the cup and they will go in 
and they will go out. Unless you add just one drop of Dawn detergent, and then they all are stuck there, and they sink in. What is a little bit of water and a lot of wine? What is symbolized here is the divinity of God and humanity. That whenever we bring up the gifts, we bring up bread and wine, but also we bring up water because the rubrics call for it. But the rubrics call for it because it's the one thing that we truly give back to God that's not his. And it's our humanity and our sins. That we pour just a little bit of that into the water, I mean into the wine, and is dissolved in the divinity. And so what Jesus does is that whenever he wants to restore the house of Israel to himself, the house of Israel that has time and time again fallen into idolatry and then into exile, he does not say that like he's just going to abandon them or hide himself from them but rather he reveals himself in his humanity. He reveals himself in his humanity and so draws them in and locks them in as fruit flies, a cup of apple cider vinegar, and just a drop of detergent. The next thing that God does, though, and so the point, I bring that first point up to say that if we desire to win each other back over, and not throw away each other, what means is doubling down on transparency and showing our humanity in its goodness, but then in my second point, in its badness. Who does God use to proclaim the gospel, to bring back the lost house of Israel? He uses the uh, Bad News Bears crew of the apostles. And the only prerequisite that the apostles have is that they have seen the works of Jesus Christ. That's the only thing that's happened so far in the gospel by this time. We're only in chapter 9, whenever we heard this today. And so, they've seen miracles. Now, many of us could say, like, yes, we're like the apostles. We are just simply works in progress. But we have not seen miracles. And that is, of course, not true. Because you've all been baptized, you've all gone to confession, you've all witnessed the miracle of the Eucharist. But if we don't have faith, then we cannot see these miracles for what they are. But what the apostles have is though they are broken and they are not yet perfected by God, they have the faith that God can perfect them. And so they're sent out. God does not recruit the self-righteous Pharisees who have no need of sanctification or improvement, but rather those who trust not in their own powers, but in God's power. And so God uses these people. And so in a similar way, when we represent ourselves to our friends and our family and don't try to throw them away for upgrades, it means that we represent ourselves in our brokenness, not showing others that our goodness comes from our own giftedness, our own resolve, our own discipline, as much as from the power of God. Because people desire to follow Jesus more than they desire to follow us. And then the third thing 
that Jesus does is that he does not seek vindication, but rather seeks to give mercy. So he does not say, you wicked, I am fed up and tired, and I desire to get the love that is owed me. But rather, he says, you lost, here I am, and salvation is at hand. What Jesus does not do is simply look at his own um, woundedness, how the divinity of God has been dishonored by the Israelites for over a millennia. But rather, he looks to see where, where they come from. And he sees that they are not just wicked, but fundamentally they are lost. They are the lost house of Israel. They are the sheep without a shepherd. And so from that starting point, they are able to forgive and have mercy and not desire to throw away. And so by offering the salvation at hand, he then entices them to come back rather than trying to uh, strangle out of them what is due to him, the reverence that is due to Christ, and which would be unsuccessful because they're so lost that they can't give it. And so it is in our own relationships with our families. That where there are wounds, we don't look to ourselves, but we look to where is the other lost, and we desire to offer salvation at hand. And so, how does God restore in conclusion? He doubles down on transparency by revealing himself in his own humanity. He uses our humanity to proclaim the good news to the broken and tired house of Israel. And he does not call us wicked and demand his just due, but rather he calls us lost and offers us salvation.